You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, yeah. It's a victory Monday. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. What's going on, everybody? Matt Miguez here. Cajuns baseball gets the sweep. Cajuns softball gets the sweep. LSU baseball gets the sweep. Astros win seven out of four. The Pelican, I mean, three out of four. I'm sorry. I did three plus four in my head and got seven. Three out of four. The Pelicans are hosting a play-in game. I, I mean, there's spring football to talk about. What more do you want? How, how could you possibly want more in your life? Bring in the producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most who's feeling 22 today. Happy birthday, Jamesy. What's going on, bro? Not too much. Appreciate it. So how was your how was your pre-birthday weekend? You know, your, your last weekend... Last weekend, last being, day of being, being 21. 21. It wasn't bad. It, it was pretty good. Uh, went fishing in New, uh, Spanish Lake hmm. in New Iberia. Yeah, yeah. And on Sunday, covered the Cajun softball. Yeah. Best birthday present you could have gotten. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they almost they almost broke the, uh, a school record. I don't know if you know. No, I didn't. They, the school record is... Or they would have tied it. They would have tied it. They're, the school record is four triples in a game. They had three. Hmm. It would have been four, but Stormy missed third base initially, oh, so she had to go back. Stormy. I know. Tisk tisk. God. They still they still got a 10-0 win though, so it was yeah, pretty they, good. They, they, they then, did they did run rule them. So that's and then, and then I bought a bought a new chair for my because I had got a desk recently that my dad built, and we had went to Sushi Masa. Uh, last night for See, my birthday dinner. Now that uh, that was the move. Yeah, sushi masa Knock, knocked out four rolls plus a little extra. Jesus, four rolls. You putting me to shame, and I'm bigger than you. I, I'm telling you, garbage can. Lord, my weekend pretty solid. Uh, went play some putt putt and drive some go karts Friday night. Did you win? I did. Okay, there you go. I did. I want. Well, I take that back. <laughs> I I won putt putt. Uh-huh. Fiance won go karts. Hmm. So it was a, it was a clean split. Sir, sir, are you saying that she's a better driver than you? We've known that for a long time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We've known that for a long time. <laughs> okay. Um, Saturday, I went cover the spring game. Had a little bit of a stomach bug. Um, so after after the spring game, I ended up cooped up in bed for the rest of the day. Uh, but then yesterday, felt woke up feeling a little bit more like myself and uh, decided to go play a round of golf yesterday. Some golf? Yeah, I went, went play a round of golf. Uh, it was fun. Uh, don't ask me what my score was. Well, now I gotta know because I wasn't even gonna ask. But now you said it. So I, I don't know. I don't know about most people, but for for me being a a average golfer probably below average golfer i'm not very good the <laughs> okay. the 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 goal score is to stay under 100 <laughs> right okay that that's the goal okay i shot a 102 uh-huh. so i mean not bad 
<laughs> no, but you, you you didn't. I didn't. You, I didn't hit the goal. Yeah, I didn't hit the goal. Um, the I, I played at Voshan, the one right there on uh amb- on the Ambassador Extension out in Youngsville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and man, the the course as a whole, I love. It. It's it's my favorite course in town, but some of the greens are rough. <laughs> so there was a couple of greens where I like three putted. When on a normal course, I probably could have made it in one. So that that messed up my score a little bit, but overall I had fun. Um, like I said, the fiance hopped on the the golf cart and and kept me company, so that was that was fun. Uh, it was a good weekend, man. And then uh, I went home yesterday afternoon and watched Scotty Scheffler win the Masters at twenty six years old. The dude is on a on a tear. So for for people who don't pay attention to golf. Scotty Scheffler didn't win his first PGA Tour event until six weeks ago. He had never won a PGA Tour tournament until six weeks ago. In the last six weeks, now including the Masters, he's won four. And he's made himself a cool $10 million doing it. James, if you were 26 and made $10 million in a month, what would you do with it? To I would definitely, like I said, I would in a month. In a month, I I would definitely put a lot of it away. But what I would do is, I think I would get that uh, I would get that big facility going. Like I told you before, oh like yeah, the, the yeah. seventy yards of football turf, basketball court. Oh uh, yeah, kitchen and a living room in a, in another room. Put put seventy percent of it away. Keep one million for yourself to have some fun with. Put two million towards the facility, because I don't think you would need more than that. I was gonna say I don't even know if I need two million, because it's um, just it would just be one building. Yeah, that's all um, I would do is just one building. There's a lot inside of it, but right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. You you might not even need two million. I don't even know if I would even need one million. But I don't. It, I don't it would just kind of depend on the turf's pretty expensive. Yeah, turf's pretty expensive. Seventy by fifty. If, if, if you're gonna turf it, turf's pretty expensive. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean. I think at the most I would need is a million. But hmm. I would buy a new house. I would buy myself a loaded out truck. I do mean loaded out. Like F-150, mm-hmm. nice rims, lift kit. I was going to say, are you lifting it? Full speaker system. Like <laughs> trick base, that base maxed out. Trick that thing out. Um, And then I would give a lot of it to charity. I'm a big St. Jude guy. Um, my my family has been been helped by St. Jude, so I'm a big St. Jude guy. So I'd give some of it to charity, and then start a college fund for for children that that don't exist yet. So, but no, man. Congrats to Scotty Scheffler, 26 years old, one of the Masters. I think it was his seventh time ever competing at Augusta. And and he won, and then well, let's not forget that his win came with local ties. His his caddy Ted Scott is from Apple is from Opelousas. I almost said Appaloosas. No, Opelousas. Uh, it's that, and it was actually Scott's third time caddying for the Master Champion. 
which is pretty cool. Uh, being a caddy, it's a hard job. It's not just carrying the bag. You, you're giving these guys your opinion on what club they should use, where they should hit it. Caddies spend Monday and Tuesday playing the course themselves so that they can give recommendations to the golfers that they're working with. So being a caddy, you know, some people think, oh, you know, you're just carrying the bag around. No, it's way more than that. That's a hard, that is almost as hard as being the golfer. Hell, it might be harder because you have to carry the bag. So once again, congrats to Scotty Scheffler. Tiger Woods was an absolute inspiration. Uh, I'm almost certain that he did not get the results on the course that he wanted. But again, like we mentioned last week, the fact that he was able to play four rounds after where he was 12 months ago. Hell, like he said when he got off the course yesterday, after where he was a month ago, he said in his po- in his post-round interview that up until a month ago, he didn't know if he was even going to be able to do this. So to be able to come and play four rounds like he did is remarkable. It's inspirational. Uh, he did confirm yesterday that he will play the Open Championship at St. Andrews this summer. Uh, he said it's his favorite golf course in the world. It's his favorite tournament, so he's going to play St. Andrews this summer, and he has not ruled out playing the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. So we will see. Astros, once again, three out of one. Three out of four. God, why? Three and one. Three out of four. I need to learn how to talk. This weekend in L.A., three to one Thursday, 13 to six Friday. They lost two nothing Saturday. And then winning four to one on Sunday. James, have you ever heard Kevin Foote's philosophy? Pay the piper? Yeah. Oh, I hear it all the time. And the Astros paid the piper on Saturday. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely paid him. <laughs> it was funny. So I, I covered the spring game Saturday, and, and Kevin walks into the press box, and I said, Man, Kevin, you had to enjoy that Astros game last night, 13 to six. He looks at me, he goes, They scored too many damn runs. And I said, what you mean? He goes, watch, they barely going to score today. Sure enough, 2 nothing. He wasn't wrong. It's not a, it's not a full-blown, but he, he, he's usually right about that kind of stuff. He gets, he gets it more often. He's, than he's a prophet, dude. He is. He's a prophet. The Astros have a two-game set in Arizona this week. They'll play tomorrow at 8.40 Central Time. And then on Wednesday at 2.40, you can hear that one here on the game, which means... No Jordy Holtberg, and no us on Wednesday. So, hate to break it to you, but you won't be able to hang out with us on, on your drive home on Wednesday. You'll instead hear Steve Sparks and Robert Ford call the Astros and Diamondbacks. And next weekend, they play in Seattle against five names of team. You know, we're going to have to deal with that all week, too, right? James? Listening to five names? Smack talk? Oh, that? Oh, man. They're playing the Mariners this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, how how wrong is it of the MLB to say, hey, Astros, 
we know that you've been having dominant years as of late. You know, you've made the World Series three out of the last five years. Uh, go ahead and start this season with your first eight games on the road. Yeah, that one. Cause All West Coast. <laughs> yeah, first start off in Anaheim and then go to Arizona. And then go to Seattle. Yeah, that too, yeah. And then go to Seattle before you come home to play L.A. again. Make it make sense. I guess get a lot of the road games out the way. I mean, I mean you don't really – I mean, early on in the season, you're still trying to get your feet wet, especially with this after everything was kind of so last minute. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, if anything, I'd rather get these away games out the way. The just some of these stretches are brutal. Like if you look at May, they're gonna play one, two, three, four, seven straight home games in seven days. Have one day of no games, and then they're gonna go play nine straight road games in nine straight days, and then immediately come play seven more home games. So from May first <laughs> to May twenty sixth. They have one day off. One day where they're not playing games. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of back and forth because it's... You're going to see a lot of load management in those stretches. Because you, you see seven straight away games, seven straight home games, seven... Or this is eight. No, this is nine. That's nine. Nine, yeah. nine straight And then seven games. straight home games and again. And then seven straight... Like, it's, it's just yeah. back and forth. You're going to see a lot of, you know, Jose Altuve playing two games here... Sit in a game here. You're gonna see a lot of load management during that stretch, uh, because yeah, 31st, 30th, 29th, 28th, 27th, off the 26th. That's rough. 25, that's 24, 23, rough. 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 15. That's real rough. Between May 9th and May 26th, they play. They play 16 17. games, 17 games. Yeah, yeah. Oh. in 17 days. Oh. Brutal. All right, timeout number one. When we come back, Cajuns baseball goes up to Arkansas State and Jonesboro wins all three. A couple of them in pretty dominating fashion. We'll break it all down here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can experience Festival International like never before with the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and you will get the chance to score a pair of Festival International Bon Ton Passes, which grants you exclusive access to front row and stage areas. Be right there next to the entertainment. Shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a festival poster. Win the Festival International Prize Pack from the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Cajuns baseball played a dreaded five-game week this past week in North Louisiana and in Arkansas, playing two against Louisiana Tech Tuesday and Wednesday, and then had a three-game set with Arkansas State over the weekend. The Cajuns went 4-1. and one. They lost opening night Tuesday against Louisiana Tech 7-3. to 
responded well on the Wednesday with an 8-6 to win and then took care of business in Jonesboro in SEC play. 10-0 on Friday, 5-3 on Saturday, and then 7-4 in 10 innings yesterday to improve to 18-14 on the year, 7-5 in the Sun Belt Conference. Friday's game, again, 10-0. Cajuns getting all 10 runs on 12 hits, no errors. Arkansas State, no runs on only four hits with one error. Brandon Talley and four relievers combined for the four-hit shutout. Brandon Talley going, pull the box score up here. Brandon Talley throwing five innings, two hits, no runs, walked three, struck out four, and then Dylan Thoit and Jake Hammond both pitching an inning apiece. Dylan Thoit striking out the side. Jake Hammond getting two strikeouts in his inning of work. Austin Perrin coming in for one and two-thirds, one hit, two walks, two Ks. And then Peyton Havard coming in for just a third of an inning. And he induced a ground out. Justin Medlin getting the loss for Arkansas State. Five innings, nine hits, eight runs, seven of those earned. He walked two and struck out two. Kyle DeBars, Carson Rockefort, Connor Kimple, Heath Hood, and Julian Brock all getting doubles in this game. Kyle DeBars getting two base hits. Carson Rockefort getting two base hits to continue his hot streak. Connor Kimple with two. Heath Hood with two as well. Your RBI leader for the Cajuns, Jonathan Brandon with two on one base hit. Go to Saturday's game. Chipper Menard getting the wins, 5-3. to three. Cajuns getting five runs on seven hits with one error. Arkansas State, three runs on seven hits. Five errors in the game Saturday for the Red Wolves. Now, going into this game, Cajuns fans and the team knew that Arkansas State's not very good defensively. They do make a lot of errors. They're one of the top teams in the country in terms of errors, uh, which is not you know, where you want to be top-wise, right? Uh, Kyle DeBars driving in a pair of runs. Max Marshall, Keith Hood, each capitalizing on two base hits. It was the Cajuns' third straight win of the week. Your leading RBI guy, again, Kyle DeBars, with two for the Cajuns. Jacob Schultz going six complete, three hits, only one run, struck out four. And then Chipper Menard getting the win, two and two-thirds, three hits, only one run with a walk. And then on Sunday, 7-4 to four in extras. It had to go to 10. And this game, it, it was it was interesting. It was 4 nothing in the third in favor of the Red Wolves. You, you kind of started to think that maybe the Cajuns' good fortunes had run out. But the Cajuns getting... All four runs back in the fifth to tie the game. It would stay tied until the tenth when Bobby Lede advances to second. Julian Brock advances to third. Jonathan Brandon scores on a wild pitch. And then Max Marshock would hit a two-run single to center field to make it 7-4, to four, and that would be all she wrote. Your winning pitcher for the Cajuns on Sunday was Cooper Rawls. Two innings pitched, one hit, two strikeouts. And here, you ready for this, James? 
I'm, I'm going to read you off the names of guys who pitched yesterday for the Cajuns. Jeff Wilson, Dylan Thoit, David Christie, Tommy Ray, Cooper Rawls, Carson Rockefort. Huh? Yeah, you heard me. Carson Rockefort. The Carson pitch in the 10th? Carson. I don't remember when Carson pitched. It wasn't in the 10th. It was in the 8th. What? It was in the 8th. Why? Uh, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> really is. Um, he faced He faced one batter. He threw seven pitches, and he walked them. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, was was like, was that planned? I uh, I would assume not. Um, I don't, I don't know if you plan on pitching your first baseman. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just like, because I mean the Cajuns. You you've seen guys, you you've seen infielders pitch well in the past. Most notably, Sam Riola last year. He he actually became a relief pitcher later in the year because of how well he was pitching. So um so, so then Tommy went to first because that's what I'm looking at on the stat sheet. Is that what happened? Tommy went to first because it says P slash one B. Okay, so yeah, they must have just flip flopped real quick. Um, so yeah, that is that's interesting <laughs> to say the least. Car- Carson Rockford got to throw seven pitches. In the game yesterday. And then he walked them. Golly. Right. Cajuns getting seven runs on 13 hits, one error. Arkansas State getting their four runs on 11 hits with five errors once again. This week, Cajuns have a four-game stretch. They will play McNeese tomorrow night at the Teague before hosting ULM for three Thursday, Friday, Saturday. First pitch, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday are all at six. And then Saturday at four. From ML Teagmore Field. With the win on Sunday, Cajuns improved to 18 and 14, 7 and 5 in the Sun Belt, while Arkansas State drops to 5 and 24, 0 and 12 in the Sun Belt Conference. Let's look at some season statistics for the Cajuns now before we head to break. Carson Rockefort still rolling. 348. 39 base hits, 6 doubles, 2 triples, 7 homers. He's got 37 RBIs. Now I'm going to stop there. 37 RBIs through 32 games. James, last season, the Cajuns didn't have a player hit 30-plus RBIs until May. No one, no one It was got the to end 30? of the season. No one got to 30 until then? No. The RBI leader at the end of the year last year was Ben Fitzgerald. He had 32. So Carson's already passed that number with a month and a half left to play. Carson's a baller. <laughs> you ready you ready for the biggest detail of all this? Okay. Carson's only a sophomore. <laughs> oh man. Carson's only a sophomore. I thought Car uh, wow. I want to go I want to yeah. go look at Kyle's stats real quick. Kyle DeBarge, 254, 30 base hits. Four doubles, one triple, two homers, eighteen RBIs. That's pretty good. He's a but that's as a freshman. Three fifty six slugging percentage and a three twenty eight on base percentage as a true freshman. Now here's here's where Kyle DeBarge is going to shine. Let's look at his fielding statistics. He has fifty two putouts, seventy three assists, only seven errors on the year. He's got a fielding percentage 
of 947. He's turned 14 double plays. That's wild. From a freshman? I mean, seven errors is most on the team. I was going to say it but, is the most. But but think about how often a ball is hit to a shortstop. I was going to say it, get hit, it gets hit to him a lot. He, he's, he's getting the most action in the infield. Other than maybe your first baseman. I was well, yeah. The first but, baseman gets all the action because well, yeah, base. almost every play has to but, involve the first baseman. But second, I would say within the infield is shortstop. definitely shortstop. Absolutely. So seven errors, a fielding percentage of nine forty-seven. That's not bad at all. Because the only person that pl- that has played most of your reps and has a better fielding percentage is your first baseman, Carson Rockford. He has a fielding percentage of a perfect 1,000, which is exactly what you want out of a first baseman. So, Cajuns are in good shape, if you ask me. Let's take time out right here. When we come back, Wilson Alexander, our good friend from The Advocate in Baton Rouge, will join us to talk about the Cajun, the Cajuns, the Tigers' three-game trip to Stark Vegas and coming home pretty happy. Here on the game, it's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Happy birthday, James Mesh! Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Angola Prison Rodeo coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has free tickets for you. All you got to do is text Angola 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and April 24th, and you can see all the excitement. Bull riding, wild horse racing, and even convict poker. Once again, text Angola to 68683. That's Angola, A-N-G-O-L-A to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo for free, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, free is everybody's favorite four-letter F-word. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Before we transition to the Tigers, I did forget to mention that Cajuns pitcher Cooper Rawls was named National Player of the Week by Collegiate Baseball. He was one of 10 players to receive the honor for his dominating performances against Arkansas State and Louisiana Tech this past weekend. Now let's transition to the Tigers. Three straight, broke out the brooms in Stark Vegas this weekend. Wilson Alexander is here to talk about all of it. Wilson, good afternoon, my friend. How's your Monday? It's going all right. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm doing well. So let's, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's just dive right on into this. Uh, Friday night in Starkville, the Tigers taking down McNeese, not McNeese, Mississippi State, five to two. This game was a little tricky. You know, you scored, you scored one in the fourth to take the lead. Mississippi State answers back with two, and then it stays two to one all the way until the ninth when the Tigers are down to their final three outs, and Trey Morgan and Dylan Cruz deliver. Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, that. Kind of maybe what you expect um, from your top of the order. Um, 
you know, maybe you don't expect a, a ninth inning rally quite like that, but you would hope to put their, the bat in their hands in the ninth inning uh, with the game on the line. And they, they came through. Uh, Trey and Dylan and Jacob had, had scuffled maybe a little bit during that game, but when you go through the order that many times and give them that many at-bats, they're bound to do something. And, and they absolutely did. Trey with that, that great single up the middle, just driving the ball right back where it came from. You know, he went up to approach kind of maybe hit a homer and he, he, he coach telling him, maybe hit, think you're going to hit a homer, you'll probably single right up the middle. And that's what happened. And, um, and then, I mean, Cruz is just has such incredible opposite field power. He always has, uh, at the college level. I mean, going back to high school too, but we've seen it, you know, for two years in a row, just what he can do to the opposite field. He keeps doing it over and over and over again. And again, with that opposite field home run to really, uh, secure that game in the ninth inning was impressive stuff out of LCU and sort of, catapulted them through the rest of the weekend and then looking at saturday a four to three victory for lsu an absolute home run barrage i mean six of the seven total runs were via the home run jacob barry opened it up with a three-run bomb in the first mississippi state would answer in the first with two of their own and then in the fifth getting another homer to tie it up and then jordan thompson coming up in the sixth to hit another solo shot to kind of put the game away, you know what what happened Saturday. What what were your thoughts on the on the midweek on the mid series game? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you saw a lot from LSU's bullpen in that game. I mean, they trotted out six pitchers, um, in, uh, including uh, Blake Money, and um, it was you know just impressive what LSU's bullpen has started to do um, after the game. You know. Uh, Jay Johnson does this thing called magic moments um, where after the game, after a win, at least he gives the, the uh, lineup card to somebody who created a magic moment in the game. I believe on Friday it was Trey with the, uh, with the single and on Saturday just went to the entire bullpen because um, they did such a phenomenal job. And you saw there at the end, Paul Gervais, um, or excuse me, not, yeah, no, Paul Gervais there at the end, um, you know, did a great job in the ninth and, um, but really the whole bullpen, uh, Fontenot, Trim Vittmeyer, Riley Cooper, Eric Razelman, and, and Gervais, um, were able to hold on to that lead through the end of the game. Um, and they did a phenomenal job. Chatting with Wilson Alexander, the advocate. And then, you know, a, a fire must have got sparked in LSU waking up Sunday morning because they just, they didn't let up on Sunday. 13 to 3 over the Bulldogs. It seems everybody kind of got involved. Barry, Morgan, Cruz, Pearson. Kay Doty, I mean, you name it, everybody everybody contributed in this one. It's certainly always possible on a Sunday game in the in college baseball. You're uh, likely to see some big numbers put up on Sundays when you start to get into the back end of a bullpen, and, and that's what LSU was able to do. But it was so impressive seeing uh, Pearson in particular. I mean, this is a freshman who in this game went three for five with two homers and five RBIs. Uh, he ends up getting named um, SEC Freshman of the Week uh, this week for the first time. You know, they needed somebody to step up with Gavin Dugai out, and, and he was able to come in and help do that um, this weekend, uh, sliding in and playing really well and offensively from that left side, just being really tough to get out uh, for the whole weekend as a whole. I mean, he was batted 6 for 13. Um, a lot of that came on, you know, big hits came on Sunday, but, I mean, 462 over the weekend, and um, that's impressive from a freshman on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Five RBIs in a game is is unreal, especially from a freshman. Now, I want to get I want to get I have a question for you on the series as a whole. 
I've heard some people say that this was a series that proved, you know, just how good LSU is. I've heard some people say this was a series where it just showed that Mississippi State maybe isn't as good as they were a year ago. Where where do you stand on that? What came was it a mixture of both, or were the Tigers just purely that dominant? With questions like that, I usually tend to fall somewhere in the middle because I think the truth in most scenarios lies somewhere in the middle of what people are saying. Um, you know, Mississippi State is not the team that it was when it won the national championship. It lost a lot of its best players, and then uh, two of its best pitchers, including Landon Sims, are out for the whole or after the year. You know, with, with arm injuries, and so this Mississippi State team is is not very good. I mean, they're eighteen to five overall now and four and eight in the conference. Um, so you can certainly figure that okay, Velsi can play well. She at least be able to win the series. But then to go and and not only win the series, but to sweep the series, to come back like they did on Friday. Um, to hold on to a close, uh, you know, really close game on Saturday, and then to just blow them out on Sunday, it showed that maybe this team is turning the corner. You know, it was going to take some time for everything to come together with this team, with a new coaching staff, a roster that was somewhat different in certain spots. Um, they showed, like, in that opening weekend series, mainly they put up 51 runs that, you know, maybe uh, colored the fact that, you know, this is a long, you know, maybe sort of skewed things a little bit because this is a long baseball season and sometimes there's ups and downs. Um, but yeah, no, perhaps going on the road and doing this, regardless of what opponent you're facing, to be able to do that in the SEC is really difficult. Um, and that was quite the statement. And so now heading into Arkansas this weekend, you know, maybe LC's on the right track and, and this is going to be a big series coming up. Uh, and maybe at the end of the year, if things end up going really well, we look back on this weekend as when it turned around. John Wilson, Alexander of the advocate. Let's go to spring football now, uh, holding a, a practice on Saturday. And, you know, John Emery seemed to be a, a huge bright spot for the Tigers, as well as Walker Howard, Kyron Lacey, and, and a couple other names. You know, you were at practice on Saturday. What what did you see? What did you think? How does the team look? Yeah, the the run by Emery was, was really good. It seemed like maybe, uh, just to sort of slight caveat, that some of the defensive players didn't quite realize that they were, like, tackling to the ground during this period. Um, but... I mean, Joe Fouché came over to try to, you know, sort of lunge at his legs um, as he broke through to the second level, and Emery just ran right through it. I mean, Joe had him wrapped up around the legs, and, and Emery just kept, you know, kept chopping his feet, broke through the tackle, and just kept going. Um, and it would have been, you know, in, in, what, in that scenario, it would have been a touchdown. Um, Emery looks really physically there, but, you know, Brian Keller's asked about him, and and he said that mentally it's what's really made the difference for John, that he's, that he's focused on what he needs to be focused on now, um, at least since Kelly has been here. You know, he doesn't quite know Emery's full story before uh, his arrival, but that since he's been there, John's had a good head on his shoulders and has been taking care of what he needs to academically and on the field. And so it's going to be, you know, he hasn't locked up like a, every, you know, the RB1 job. LSU will probably do a little bit of by committee just because that's how it's often done these days with running backs anyway. Um, no Kane still to come in the summer. Corey Connor's been getting some first-team reps, too. Um, but John, you know, he had a good day, uh, at least from what we could see. And, you know, LSU has said during the spring that they're going to keep giving him the ball. He's going to get chances. And this is kind of the first – and this is kind of the year where he gets the opportunity, um, if, you know, if everything breaks right, um, that for him to finally show what he can do. Now, looking at, looking at your practice report from Saturday, you talked about how Jalen Daniels ran the ball pretty well and that he had a tight spiral on his throws. However, he was overthrowing a lot of receivers. You think he can get that under control before the fall? 
because, I mean, it, it's presumed that he, he's going to be the starter of this team. Yeah, I don't think that's a presumption that anybody should make at this point. Um, I mean, when he came in, uh, LSU's coaches talked to all of these quarterbacks and they had the same message. This is an open competition. And, and Kelly never called him and said, we're giving you the spot. If you transfer, it was, if you transfer here, you're going to have an opportunity to compete for the spot. But Miles Brennan wants to play too, and so does Garrett Nussmeyer. And none of these guys have been named the starter yet. They're still kind of splitting reps. LSU's still trying to form a pecking order of some kind, and there's a little bit of a ways to go in that. The next two weeks will be somewhat critical in sort of figuring out what that is, looks like going into the summer. But then again, if everybody comes back in the fall, it could change in that preseason camp. Um, but Jaden definitely has an opportunity to do that. He's got to get some different things under control. He mentioned, we spoke with him on Saturday afternoon, he said he needs to continue to improve on his footwork and his chemistry with the receivers. You have to remember that he came in you know, right ahead of spring practice and hasn't had a lot of time working with these receivers and figuring out, okay, how do they run? When are they getting out of their breaks? What's the timing like between them? But at the same time, yeah, he's got some mechanical things. Maybe he needs to get, just get the ball down a little bit. He can make the throws. Uh, that's clear in his arm strength. It's just a matter of actually connecting on him because he was, you know, there's a couple opportunities to do so on Saturday and make some big throws that he just didn't quite hit on. Um, but clearly, dynamically, you know, he's, he's a, a really good runner. LSU um, ran a quarterback draw on the first play with him at quarterback. You don't see that a lot. You haven't seen that out of LSU really much at all uh, during its history because it just doesn't typically have quarterbacks quite like him. Um, but they're going to continue to maybe move in that direction because that's what Mike Denbrock likes to have. Um, he, he really does like that running element, as you saw at Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter. And, and Jaden could fit that, that, you know, sort of that description, um, but he's going to have to go out and earn the job. It's definitely not his yet. Wilson Alexander, the advocate. I got one more for you. Uh, talk to me about somebody that you saw at practice on Saturday, you know, maybe a young guy or, or, or a transfer that, that really impressed on Saturday. Will, Will Campbell, man, that freshman left tackle. Um, he, he, we saw that he physically was just impressive, imposing, really. Um, the pictures don't do it justice to how big he is at six foot six and over 310 pounds. Um, he looks, uh, like he looks like physically he can do it. And mentally, Brian Kelly said he can as well. And that's what's really been kind of impressive and what led to him now getting first team reps two days in a row. And that, you know, it sort of seems like once they slid him in at left tackle, everything else is sort of falling into place. The offensive line still has a long way to go before it's actually where Brad Davis wants it. Um, it's been a bit of an up-and-down spring, um, somebody in the program told me, um, but for the offensive line. But Campbell, at least, you know, we could really compete for playing time here as a freshman. Um, long way to go for him still. That's a caveat with everything right now. But uh, it looks like he's going to have a chance. Fantastic stuff. Wilson Alexander, The Advocate. Appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, have, a gr- have a great week in Baton Rouge. Thanks for having me. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Let's take a time out. When we come back, we'll update you on our Twitter poll question of the day. Do you want to see the Saints draft a quarterback first round? Yes or no? we got a lot to get into with that. People are fired up. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The Hangout Music Fest is returning to Gulf Shores this summer. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. Score VIP passes by becoming a member of our rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest, featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan D. Stallion. Hangout Music Fest is May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores, and you can win your VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Crush Time Amigas and Mesh 
52 minutes after 4 o'clock. Matt Miguez and the birthday boy, James Mesh. James, are you, are you, are you having a good birthday so far? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I had to, <laughs> had to wake up kind of early, uh, whether I wanted to or not, but I did need to wake up early because I had to update my i had to renew my driver's license because it Ooh, today fun yeah fun but that actually didn't take long at all no it's not too bad it's not too bad and that's because i didn't go to the dmv right there oh you went to the express one i actually went to uh, tibbs and broussard oh nice yeah nice. she was like ah, like maybe 10 minutes yeah i was like oh so i got here at heck 10 yeah. for nothing <laughs> right heck yeah i could i could have got here in 11 30 oh it's okay it's okay to wake up early every now and again Mm. <laughs> Poll question of the day Do you want to see the Saints draft a quarterback First round or nah Nah <laughs> So far We have 29 votes in 3.4% say yes 96.6% say nah fam And I've got Five comments Three of them are gifts Two of them are from Ton One of them is Tracy Morgan sitting there in the car Shaking his head going nope Nope, not, no, no, no. And then one is from Futurama, and it's the robot laughing hysterically. And then he goes, oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh harder. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. And then Tom comes in again, says, let's put it this way. I'd rather take my cheating ex-wife back than take a quarterback right now. Oh, Jesus. Saints, you hear that? Do you hear that, Saints? Happy- Mickey, do you hear that? Happy birthday at James Mesh. Don't get married. Married to the game. Married to the game. <laughs> and then David Duga comments, how about a third answer? F no. Uh, well, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think it would be horrible. I'm to- so I'm so glad I'm so glad Ray texted that because I was trying to remember his name. I remember Zoidberg, but it's um, Bender. I've I've never watched an episode of Futurama. <gasps> You never watched Futurama. No. Oh, and I'm you not were... into I'm not into animated stuff. Oh. I'm not into anim- the only two animated shows that I have ever the animated sitcoms that I have ever really enjoyed are Family Guy and South Park. And I don't watch them regularly. But no, The Simpsons, Futurama, King of the Hill. You know, I've never really got into those. I mean, I'm sure they're funny. I'm sure they're good. But I just I've never see, see. I'm more of an animated guy. See, like Rick and Morty, don't get it. I don't really watch it, but I know a lot of the references. Adventure Time, I used to watch that a lot. Don't get it. Regular show. I watched a lot of Simpsons and Family Guy. Wait, what? I watched a lot of The Simpsons and Family Guy. Oh yeah, Family Guy. Ray, Ray said, "Well, I hope you enjoyed your time on the air as brief as it was." <laughs> So what, I'm getting fired because I don't like animated TV shows? Yep, on the spot. All right. <laughs> well, All right. well, I guess I'll take well, over hour two. Well, Acadiana, y'all have a great one. Matt's out. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, in hour number two, Jim Eichenhofer is going to join us to talk some Pelicans as they will host a play-in game on Wednesday night against the Spurs in the blender. And then we will talk Cajuns softball. We will talk some Astros. 
we'll dive a little deeper into the Masters. And as always, take the phone calls. 706-0111. Phone lines are open. And here in Acadiana, you can watch our simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. It's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two, coming up in about five or so minutes. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know what hour number two means? It means you're off of work. It means Monday's over. Good for you. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, I feel like I have to treat you with, with, with a level of respect today. <laughs> because it's like your day. Like the whole universe is centered around me right revolves now. Revolves <laughs> around James Mesh. Okay. So I'm going to be nice and not tell you that you have the second best hair in Sports Talk Radio. Well, you've already admitted that I do. So So you're admitting that mine's better. No, I'm saying that you've already admitted that I have the better hair. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That never oh, happened. Oh, it's so soon to forget, huh? That never happened. So soon to forget, I see. That never happened. Once again, phone lines are open, 706-0111. We've had a caller waiting since the end of hour number one, so let's go to the phone lines now. Wallace joins the show. What's going on, Wallace? How's your Monday? It's doing all right. What you I'm got? I'm just calling to tell Mr. James happy birthday. I appreciate it, Wallace. And plus, I'm uh, going to say the Saints is not going to buy uh, draft a draft, uh, quarterback. You think they will? No, they won't. They won't. Uh, I mean, I hope they don't. And I just hope my Chiefs do something good. Oh, man, you a Chiefs fan? Yes, sir. I mean, I like Pat Mahomes, so I'll give you that. That's fine. That's fine. And they get right, got rid of uh, Tyreek Hill. But they, they're, doing, they're doing my boy Elijah McGuire dirty. That guy needs to get touches. So can you call Andy Reid and make that happen? I wish I could. Because <laughs> I like all Elijah. Man, I, he, I, I almost want to see him go somewhere else just so that he can get playing time. But at the same time, if he sits on the practice squad in Kansas City, he might collect a couple Super Bowl rings. That's true. So that wouldn't be such a bad idea either. <laughs> but, all right, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Look at that. You got a caller... Just to tell you happy birthday. <laughs> uh, oh, I bet you you feel special. Oh, uh, I'm guessed. I'm watching. I'm guessed up right now. I'm watching his head swell as we speak. <laughs> Expand. Oh man. Okay. Um. Poll question. Like we talked about earlier on in the show, do you want to see the Saints draft a quarterback in the first round? Ninety-seven percent say no. I want to know who the one guy is. I would. I would love to. I, want to I would know love who this one person is. Listeners out there, if you are the one person that went on the Twitter page and said yes, please call in seven zero six zero one one one. We'd love to have a friendly conversation with you because uh, we're nice people. Now, I I can't get over Tan's comment 
I'd rather take my cheating ex-wife back than take a quarterback. Like, first of all, that explains the magnitude of the whole situation. But then he goes and throws his ex-wife under the bus. Now, let's talk about something else. Speaking of throwing people under the bus, let's talk about Frank Vogel. The dude got fired by the Lakers via social media. Via Woj bomb. Because did you did you hear the his press conference today? Not today, so he, but I had heard last night where he's like, didn't hear. Oh, that, okay, so that's that's when it was. Yeah, yeah. it was last night. It was, it was post game. I mean, are you kidding me? You don't have the decency to tell the man to his face that he's losing his job. First of all, he doesn't rightfully deserve to lose his job. Because I'm telling you something, if you think that Frank Vogel is the problem in Los Angeles, you might be the problem. The man is 18 months removed from winning them a championship. First one they'd won in 10 years. The problem with the Lakers this year was a couple of different things. Number one, injuries. Anthony Davis played, what, 30 games this year? Uh, let me let me find that number because he had to miss most of the season this year with injuries. LeBron missed a lot of the year. Russell Westbrook missed time. Not to mention, when you put three superstars like that who were all ball-hungry players, it doesn't work. Name a time that you have had three ball-dominant guys on a team that has won. I'll wait. You saw it with the Lakers with Kobe and Dwight. And was it Steve Nash? Yeah, Nash. That failed horribly. Yeah, that was pretty bad. The 2012 Lakers. Ooh. Nash retired early to get out of it. That didn't work. Um, you saw what happened to Oklahoma City. Russ, KD, and Harden. There became a time where they didn't work anymore because Harden realized that he was a ball-dominant player. What makes you think Westbrook, LeBron, and AD would work together? Hell, there was coming to a point where LeBron and AD weren't working well together. And then you go throw in another ball-dominant pre-Madonna? Give me a break. No, the problem is that you can, you can love and respect LeBron James all you want to. The problem is that Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson are letting LeBron James run that show. They are. Anthony Davis would not be in L.A. without LeBron. Russell Westbrook would not be in L.A. without LeBron. And by the way, Anthony Davis only played 40 games this season. He missed half the year. Not even. He played less than half. I mean, 
How how do you expect to win anything playing that little when one of your key pieces is playing that little? Street clothes Davis. There's a reason he got that nickname this year. I, I didn't make that up. So again, Frank Vogel, first of all, should have never gotten fired. And then the fact that he got fired via social media? You think anybody with their right mind is coming coach of the Lakers? Because it's going, you can't sell people on the fact that it's the Lakers anymore. Nobody that's willing to not be a scapegoat. Well, right. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you can't just, because used to, you know, maybe when you hired Frank Vogel, you could go, oh, I know we haven't won a title in, you know, 10 years, but we're the Lakers. Now it's like, uh, you're the Lakers. I'm staying as far away from that dysfunction as humanly possible. I heard somebody say on the radio earlier, oh, uh, Nick Nurse would go coach the Lakers. Why? Why would he leave Toronto? He's three years removed from winning a title. And he's got a front office that, I don't know, respects him? If I'm Nick Nurse, I'm staying right where I'm at and I'm not even picking up the phone. If the Lakers call. Not even picking up the phone. To be honest with you, James, I I don't see anybody willingly going coach the Lakers. It's going to be another tough situation. I I think they're going to have to promote one of their assistants. Especially once... Yeah, they might have to promote with him, or, or 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 get a guy who's you know towards the end of his career that wants to try and prove something, maybe an Alvin Gentry, because you know Alvin Gentry today was told that that he's not going to be the head coach for the Kings anymore. So I don't know, maybe maybe you go convince one of those guys, type of guys to to come to L.A. I mean, yeah, talking about Nick Nurse, he led the Raptors to a title in 19, signed a multi-year extension in 2020, still has two years left on that deal. But then here's the other thing. The only way you're going to get Nick Nurse is you're going to have to trade for him. He's under contract for two more years. You're going to have to trade for his rights. If I'm Toronto, hell, give me Westbrook. Give me three first. Give me LeBron. Hell, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to go down. I mean, obviously, trading for Le- getting LeBron for a coach—that's not a fair deal in, in, in any stretch of the imagination. But if I'm Toronto, I'm going to get my money's worth here. How badly do you want my guy? That's going to be interesting to see. The next couple weeks in the NBA as we get into the postseason and, and, and down the stretch into into April and May. Going to get entertaining for sure. Take our first time out of hour number two right here when we come back. Cajun softball sweeping Troy this weekend. They've got a massive series 
with South Alabama in Mobile this weekend. We'll talk about all that and more here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 11th, 1963. Milwaukee Braves pitcher and future baseball Hall of Famer Warren Spahn beats the New York Mets 6-1 for his 328th win. The win sets a new record for the most wins by a left-hander in MLB history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will take place on Saturday, April 30th at River Ranch. The festivities will kick off at 8 a.m. and the non-competitive walk begins at 9.15. For more information, visit greateracadianaheartwalk.org or contact Donna Ashcraft at donna.ashcraft at heart.org. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Me, you guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Our poll question of the day has got people buzzing, man. It's it's hilarious. Do you want to see the Saints draft a quarterback? 95% say yes, 5%. I mean, I'm sorry. 5% say yes, 95% say no. And we got a new comment from JK. The draft is for the Jets to show off their first round fail. Saints need offensive tackle and wide receiver in the first. However, if Matt Corral is there in the second, I can endorse that. You see, that I can get behind. If you go OT wide receiver in the first round and then Matt Corral slips to you in the second and you want to take him in the second, that I'm cool with. I'd be about it. I'd buy a Matt Corral jersey. Do not spend a first-round pick on a quarterback. You got an opportunity to build your team with positions of need with young talent for the long term. Do it right. The Saints find a way to screw this draft up. They're going to be in trouble for a long time. A long time. Let's go to Cajun softball now. 26-10 and 10 on the year after their three-game sweep of Troy at Lampson Park. This past weekend, seven to one Friday, seven to one Saturday, and then ten nothing mercy rule on Sunday. So James was the lucky charm for Jerry Glasgow and his staff. The Cajuns on Friday getting seven runs on eight hits with one error. Troy getting one run on three hits with one error. And can we just say welcome back, Alexa Langliers? Her first plate appearance back from injury was a two-run bomb to left field. Stormy Kotswinick getting a home run as well. Jordan Campbell providing a three-run triple in the sixth. Saturday, more of the same 7-1 to Cajuns. Cajuns getting those seven runs on 12 hits with no errors. Troy, one run in the seventh on three hits and no errors. Alexa Langliers again. Another home run in the second inning. Again to left field. Matty Hayden getting a one-run double. Melissa Mayu getting a two-run home run as well. Man, Matty Hayden 
and Alexa Langliers are are dangerous, dangerous athletes, and they're both freshmen. Just saying. And then Sunday, Cajuns ten runs, ten hits, one error. Troy no runs, only one hit, and one error. Sam Landry getting the win on Sunday to improve to twelve and two on the year. Again, another true freshman for Jerry Glasgow. This is the game. Is this the game where they had three triples? Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Yeah. 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 Kayla Falterman getting a triple in the second to score Alexa Langliers, and then she would end up scoring on a wild pitch. Maddie Hayden getting a two-run double down the right field line as well. And then Jordan Campbell delivering again a three-run home run in the sixth. Technically walk-off home run. I was going to say, it literally ended right after that. Yeah. It threw me off. I was like, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm still still typing. Technically a walk-off home run. Uh, Libby Baker, Troy's losing pitcher, she faced six batters in that final inning. You know, it's starting to come around for me because I, I had my doubts about this team early on in the year because of how young they were. All the freshmen that were going to have to play significant time. Raina O'Neill went down, and you know that just kind of furthered my concerns for this group. But man, they're starting to get it together. Maddie Hayden, Stormy Kotzelnick, Jordan Campbell has been on a tear. Melissa Mayhew's been contributing. You get back Alexa Langliers from injury. Kayla Falterman's, you know, starting to hit the ball pretty well. Sam Landry and Kendra Lamb have become pretty solid in the circle. You know, everybody's saying that that 69 series streak is going to end this year. I, I, I wouldn't be so sure. I wouldn't be so sure. Now, I mean, don't don't take this and say, oh, Matt Miguez said on the game that, you know, softball's going to the World Series. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. To be quite honest with you, I don't think this team's going to make a super regional. But this team is building something for next year that is going to be remarkable. I'm just going to tell you now. Because if you look at Jerry Glasgow's roster, he's got one senior. One. That's it. One senior. Your other senior was Jenna Keene, and she's no longer on the team. So you've got one senior and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven freshmen. That's good odds for future success. And then sophomores, one, two, you have thirteen underclassmen and only one senior? Yeah, that's future success. Wait until next year. This team might set the world on fire. This week, the Cajuns will go to Hammond, America tomorrow to play Southeastern. Hopefully, weather permitting. And then a massive series in Mobile against South Alabama this coming weekend, who this morning at 
Raging Cajuns media availability, head coach Jerry Glasgow said that this game, this series could go a long way in determining who's going to be the regular season Sunbelt champ. He said this these three games might be some of the most important that they have played so far this season. We'll have that audio tomorrow. They've got a massive trip next week as well. They're going to be gone for the entire week. James, listen to this. Monday, day after Easter, they'll play at St. Louis. Tuesday, they'll play a doubleheader at Illinois. Wednesday, they go to Indiana. And then next weekend, they're in Boone, North Carolina to play three against App State. Yeah, I, I saw it. Like, it's the next 11 games, they're all on the road. Yeah. That's brutal. That's brutal. They will not return to Lampson Park until April 27th. They only have four home games left. Yeah, it's the Final Four. Yeah, they they, they play that Wednesday against Houston. They've got a three-day set against Coastal Carolina. And then that first weekend in May, they've got a three-game set, three set with ULM. And then May 10th, Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Their tournament is much earlier than the men's tournament because softball is 10th through the 14th. I think baseball is the 25th through the 29th. That's much later in the year. But, again, I'm not saying that this team is, is, is primed for Oklahoma City just yet. But I am going to say that they might be a little bit better than some people were giving them credit for. Just going to say that. Let's take a time out. When we come back, Jim Achenheifer, I butchered that, Eichenhofer, a Pelicans writer, will join us to talk the end of the regular season and get set for the play-in game Wednesday night against the Spurs in the blender in New Orleans. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. In the NBA play-in tournament, there's no sure things except one. Bet at least $20 in same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you'll get an instant bonus win or lose. That's right. Not only do you get to see the NBA's best duking it out as the right to advance to the playoffs, but FanDuel's giving all the customers a bonus for getting in on the action. Oh, and the more you bet, the bigger the bonus. For me, looking at the Cavs-Nets game, because that's going to be the first one, I got to believe the Nets will win by more than 8.5. I think KD's going to be the top scorer, but I got to believe that Evan Mobley will be a big part of it for the Cavs to keep him in the game. And same thing with Darius Garland. FanDuel is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. If you're new to FanDuel, sign up today with the promo code KLWB to make every moment more. That's promo code KLWB. So don't just watch the NBA play-in tournament. Be a part of it. Bet at least $20 in same-game parlays and get an instant bonus win or lose. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Bonus issues, non-withdrawable site credit. Free bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus $100. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. As a reminder, if you join The Game Clubhouse, we've, we've mentioned hundreds of re- rewards that you can get. Have we told you about the $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse? Crazy, right? You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. How do you do that? 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and go sign up today. The Pelicans falling to the Warriors last night, 128-107. However wasn't a full Pelicans roster. It was a largely reserve roster last night. To talk about that and to get you set up for the play-in game Wednesday against San Antonio is Jim Eichenhofer. Jim, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, looking at this game, like I said, 128-107, to when you got Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole combining for 63, and then you've got Kamingo with 18 and Lee with 11 off the bench, and, and CJ McCollum only plays five minutes. I mean, you're 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 going to kind of expect this kind of performance, right? Yeah, I think they were. They had a lot more motivation. They had a lot more reasons to um, be invested in it. So I I really didn't take a lot away from last night's game, honestly, from a Pelicans perspective, just based on the fact that they already had their spot locked up. And then when you saw the lineup that they were putting out there, and like you said, CJ only played a few minutes and checked out of the game. Um, it was really, I just kind of moved on as far as when started thinking about Wednesday, even really honestly before the game even ended last night. Now, what was, what was the reason for, for letting CJ McCollum play six minutes and sitting out the rest of the night? You know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there was some kind of incentive that he had to play a certain number of games or minutes or that kind of thing. I really don't know. I'm not sure if he wanted to just get a little bit of a run and then, and then exit. Um, I'm not sure. It's a good question. Yeah. I just, I find that weird. Only six minutes, put up two shots. He did get a rebound and then an assist. But my thing is, you're going to give the guy rest. Like, like you said, the only thing that it could be is if he had some sort of, you know, bonus or incentive that he, he had to hit and he needed to make an appearance in this game in order to do that. Talk to me about Najee Marshall, 19.6 assists, five rebounds. You know, he he's come up big at multiple points in this in this late season stretch. You know, he he's been a big piece of this offense lately. Yeah, I think if anything he's been kind of a unheralded, unsung kind of piece to the, what they've done in the second half of the season. And there, there are a lot of guys that maybe get a little bit more attention and deservedly so in terms of, you know, the great rookie season that Herb Jones has had, the out-of-nowhere story of Jose Alvarado and some of the other guys. But I don't think too many people talk about Najee Marshall, but I do think that he's been pretty vital to the defense and, you know, just how aggressive the second unit plays. They're not going to look for 19 points from him very often offensively. That's not really what he does or his his strength, but I mean, he can do that if you need him to score here and there. Chat with Jim Eichenhofer here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Jim, let's look ahead to Wednesday against the Spurs, that play in battle between ninth and 10th. What's the injury status of Brandon Ingram? Is, is he 
is there a chance that he could be available, or has he already been ruled out for this game? No, I, 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 I'm going to wait until tomorrow and when they release the injury report, basically before 5 p.m. on Tuesday, the day before the game. They're going to that's that's an NBA rule that they're going to submit that. I'm going to wait to see what status he's listed as, but um, he's definitely not ruled out, and I definitely haven't heard anything to the effect that he won't play. So, I mean, I'm operating with the idea right now that he will be able to play. But like I said, I'll wait until tomorrow to see what they list him as in terms of, you know, what his status is basically 24 hours before tip-off. Right, right. You know, looking at this matchup, 36-46 and for the Pelicans, 34-48 and for the Spurs. These these two teams seem seem pretty evenly matched, but according to you know betting odds and whatnot, the Pelicans have a five point advantage. What are you seeing out of this matchup? Yeah, I mean, you could say that both teams, you know, like you said, they have around the same record, and they actually had very similar seasons. That the Spurs started out four and thirteen, the Pelicans were four and sixteen, so they both kind of dug a hole for themselves early in the season, and then had fairly similar records over the rest of the campaign. I think one of the reasons why, besides the fact that the Pelicans are home, and that always is a factor in terms of predictions and what people think is going to happen in the game, um, Pelicans made by far the biggest addition in season of the two teams by adding C.J. McCollum. So I think in some ways, you know, they're 36-46, and and it's their black and white. That was what their record is, and it's not debatable. But I think in, in some ways people view them as a little bit better team than that because if they had had C.J. over the course of the whole season, I think they would have probably been 500 or better. And then Brandon Ingram missed 20-plus games. They had a winning record with him on the court as well. So I think they're pretty evenly matched teams, but I think there's an argument to be made, and I know the game isn't played on paper. It's going to have to be done on the court on Wednesday night. But I can see why people think, and I've heard this already, I think, in some of the previews and podcasts talking about this um, one-game matchup, just that the Pelicans are a little bit more talented on paper and maybe have some bigger weapons. Um, the Spurs obviously had had an all-star with DeJounte Murray, but the Pelicans have you know a couple guys that are kind of at that level of all-star caliber player with, with McCollum and, and Brandon Ingram. Now, I, I know you're probably tired of hearing this question because it's probably been asked to you a hundred times, but... Say the the Pelicans, you know, find their way out of this game Wednesday night, and then they find their way out of the second play-in game on Friday, and they make a they make a true playoff series. Could you could you see Zion Williamson suiting up and playing? I mean, for me personally, I don't expect it, but I mean, I, I don't have all of the information to know how confident I should be in that prediction that I don't expect him to to play. Um, so I guess I'd I just wait and see. Um, I don't think it was the hundredth time I've been asked that. It's probably more like ten thousandth time. <laughs> but right. I but I totally understand. I mean, I want him to play too. I think everybody is invested in the idea that getting him on the court would be great if that's something that if he can do that and he's able to get get into a position where the team believes that he can play. Um so it's tough to come in after you haven't played all season to come into a playoff game or a playing game where the whole season is at stake. So I don't know if that's a factor as well, but I mean right now I'm operating with the idea that that he's not going to play, but but I as I said, I would love to see him play. Last question I've got for you, Jim. You know, Willie Green spoke last night after the game, and he said that he's he's proud of this group and the work that he's put in, and and he thinks that they're in a good place right now. Uh, would would you agree with that statement, or you know, do you think that there's ways that things that they need to improve on quickly before Wednesday night's game? 
yeah, I mean, I don't know how much they can do in the next 48 hours to put themselves in better position for that game. But, I mean, defensively, they've been there's been a little bit of a letdown in the last couple games. Hopefully they'll be able to correct that. Um, but I think he was talking more in general about the big picture of the team and the future going forward. And I 100% wholeheartedly agree with his sentiment that regardless of what happens Wednesday, I mean, obviously it's very important. It would be It would be great to have a huge crowd, which there will be, and to have a win on Wednesday and uh, hopefully be able to go forward to the playoffs. But either way, I mean, regardless of what happens, I think this week, there's going to be a lot of optimism for next season. And I think there are tons of people, tons of fans, and I'm sure plenty of them in Lafayette as well, that their outlook for next season is so much brighter than what it was a few months ago. And I think that was really what Willie was mainly talking about was just that he's proud of the progress that they've made. So we want to see some short. We want to see more short-term um, results this week with a couple wins and hopefully a playoff appearance. But either way, I think this has been a, a, a really good season, and I think you'd have a hard time finding many people out there that would say that this wasn't a, a really successful season based on all of the circumstances. Yeah, based on the circumstances and especially where you started. I mean, like you mentioned, four and 16, 20 games in. To, to even be yep. in, in a position to where you're fighting for a playoff spot is – is absolutely impressive, especially for a first-year head coach. So, as as a Pelicans fan myself, definitely excited for you know next season and and the future of this franchise. Jim Ockenheifer, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy these games in New Orleans this week, man. Thanks a lot. Happy to uh, come on anytime. I appreciate it. Let's take a look at our Twitter poll question before we head to our break. Do you want to see the Saints draft a quarterback first round? Ninety-two percent. Say no. We're up to 8% saying yes, James. What is this blasphemy? We've got some some new comments, though. Brad Newell, not no, but hell to the no. Wide receiver and offensive tackle with 16 and 19. These positions are number one priority, no exceptions. And then Ton comes back. Who is saying yes? I just want to talk. And there's a gif of a man with his face covered cocking a Nerf gun. <laughs> I just want to talk. I mean, why? And and I'm not I'm not gonna knock anybody's opinion. You know, I'm 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 cool with everybody having the, their thought processes. But why would you think that a quarterback first round is a smart move for this team? I'd understand if there was a quarterback in this class that was, oh my God, you know, that guy's going to be a generational talent. That guy's going to be a long term franchise quarterback. I can't say that about any of these guys. None of them. Malik Willis, maybe if he learns how to throw the ball. Kenny Pickett's got too many question marks. Name another quarterback for me. I'm, I'm Ritter. Desmond Ritter, I mean, he's good. And, and, yeah, Cincinnati went to the playoff, but especially in conference, who'd he play? Especially in conference, who who'd you play in the American? Tulane. He definitely didn't look good once he hit out, once they played Alabama. Sam Howell had a great junior year, wasn't great this year. Matt Corral reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel. Maybe he's got a better head on his shoulder. I don't know. I don't know the kid. There's just a lot of question marks on this draft class for quarterback. Car- Carson Strong. Out of Nevada. Mm-mm. I mean, Carson Carson Strong is good. Gets a three-star. But, again, I'm not spending a first-rounder on him. No. 
I'm not spending. I wouldn't spend a first rounder on any of these quarterbacks. And they've got people saying Carolina's going to take Kenny Pickett at six. What? I know you need a quarterback, but Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I'm getting my blood boiled on a Monday. Just take one last time out, and when we come back, we'll wrap up today's show, and we'll get you set up for tomorrow here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's has some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, fried and grilled seafood, burger steaks, po' boys, and a seafood buffet. You are making my Cajun heart happy. Go sign up for the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. But you better hurry up because I might take it from you. Just saying. Because that sounds delightful. Sounded like Jim Carrey right there. B-E-A-U-T-F-O. I'm a big Jim Carrey guy. One more look at the poll question before we wrap up today's show. Should the Saints draft a quarterback round one? It is a resounding no. 92% out of 48 votes. You do the math. That's a lot of them. Also, before we go, and I'm sure RP3 talked about this this morning. Have you, James, have you seen the Braves World Series rings? Yeah, it was, it was 150 diamonds, right? 150 diamonds on the A. Oh, on just the A. Just on the A. So here's, there's a, here we go. There's a description. So every aspect of it has like a meaning. So the ring's top has the A logo created in contrasting 18.71 carat white gold to signify the inception of the franchise in 1871. Within the A logo, there are 150 diamonds representing 150 years of the franchise's history. But now the ring opens up. By the way, there are 22 emerald cut diamonds on each side of the ring, amounting to 44 in honor of the legendary Hank Aaron. And then, so the ring opens up and there is a, I don't know what the word is, a a diagram, I guess, of Truist Park with working LED lights. So the scoreboards inside the ring light up, okay? And then placed through the outfield of this ring are 11 rubies. To represent the locations of the 11 home runs hit during the World Series. Are you kidding me? The total gem carat weight of the ring is approximately 13.3 carats. I don't know if a finger could hold that properly. That's going to do it for Monday's edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Big thanks to Wilson Alexander. Big thanks to Jim Ockenheimhofer. I'm going to get that name right, I swear. Happy birthday to the producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. Be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mama and them. We'll talk to you all tomorrow on Taco Tuesday. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Bye.